3: Just being me. Amy Winehouse, back to black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson, rated R under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters, May 17th.
4: On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them, are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast, start changing it with the Bechdel cast.
5: Hey everyone. Quick note at the top of the show:
4: Bechdel continuity check. Yes, uh, for all you eagle-eared
5: listeners, mm-hmm. you're about to hear an episode about the movie A Little Princess.
4: Yes, one of the stars of which is Vanessa Chester, who you may know was recently on the Bechdel cast for our Book Smart episode. Now, in this episode, we are talking as if we don't know her because at the time it was recorded, we. Didn't. That's true. We met Vanessa after
5: this episode was recorded. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, hey, why are they talking about. This Becky character is if they'd never met the actor. Well, that's why we simply had not met her yet. And in the magical world of podcasting, sometimes you record an episode and then it sits on the shelf for a while and then you release it. Until the time is
4: just right. Yes. Uh, So now you know Mm -hmm. and get ready for a hell of an episode. Here's a little princess. Yes. The Cast. Hello and welcome to the Bechdel Cast. My name's Jamie Loftus. <laughs> My name's Caitlin Durante. That was a dramatic pause. I know. I, did. <laughs> I, w- I, I panicked for I, a second. I, I, I was I like, should I talk? Panic. <laughs> I have an Alfred Molina update. Please. Well, you actually provided me with, because we both follow his finsta. We are not at liberty to disclose his finsta. Mm. Aristotle actually found the finsta and passed it on to us. Cause that's just what Wait, he's what, like. What, Finsta. I know that's Instagram, but like why the fin- F? It's like your fake Instagram. It's like where like either you sign up to post passive aggressive things. Not a good idea. Uh huh. I would never, um, and <laughs> or it's what famous people do to like have an account that is just for people they actually know and oh, not for like friends, fans. Like ones.
2: Beyonce definitely has a
4: finsta. Like as okay. much as she loves Instagram,
5: sure.
2: she for sure has a finsta. Yeah. So you this guys is keep me finsta. young. <laughs>
4: Thank you for keeping me young. So this is Freddie's finsta. Okay, yes, uh, that we we became privy to. So we're recording this around the time that abortion rights are simply gone. Hopefully, when you listen to this, that won't be true, but probably it will be even more true than it is right now. Unfortunately, yes. Uh, So, But he he posted, in solidarity with women, because he is a feminist icon, he posted what appears to be a kaleidoscopic image of a vagina. Yes. And then said quote, those of us without a vagina need to shut the fuck up, dot, dot, dot. In the abortion argument, no vagina means no voice, unquote. I mean, a true feminist icon. <sighs> Truly, what an ally. I just <laughs> Start by breaking the Bechdel test yeah. and sharing that. That's, that's okay, because we're is... going to
5: only pass the Bechtel test from here on out.
4: Yeah, we are uniquely suited to with our movie this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: So, yeah, we use the Bechdel test as a jumping off point to initiate a larger conversation about the representation of women in movies. Yeah. And the Bechdel test, of course, is a media metric created by cartoonist Alison Bechtel mm-hmm, that requires... That a movie have two named female-identifying characters who speak to each other about something other than a man. Let's demonstrate.
4: All right. Hey, Caitlin. Jamie, what is it? <laughs> um. Oh shit. I know what I was gonna say. I was gonna break it. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. <laughs> That passes. That's a test. Yes. That's a twist. It Passes. <laughs> talking... I was gonna say, didn't you see Junce Riley at a <laughs> at a roller skating place? I was like, motherfucker. We've been doing this over three years.
5: I we still don't know how to pass the ecto <sighs> test. Brave of us.
4: Well, anyway, how
5: vulnerable. <laughs> so today we're talking about A Little Princess, mm-hmm. the 1995 movie directed by Alfonso Cuarón, which I always forget he directed mm-hmm. but it's during wh- his
4: green period
5: <laughs> his green days learned a lot about his green period <laughs> lots of stuff uh, and without much further ado let's introduce our guest that we have today yes she is a pop culture entertainment critic she's written for hollywood reporter playboy paste magazine pajiba.com it's joelle monique
2: hey. hi, hi. Hey. What's up, guys? Oh, uh, we're so excited! So Thanks to for have coming. You. I'm so excited to be here. I love this show. It's super funny. You guys <laughs> have great you. guests, <gasps> thank
4: you, including
2: you, of course.
4: We were- ah, now I'm part of the <laughs> echelon. Yeah, I'm yeah, you're canon. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited because when we talked about getting you in the show at first, you didn't think for a moment yeah. before you really oh a little princess so it's
2: like, a long time favorite a problematic in places fave uh-huh. but if you're just looking for a really solid representation of women oh good lord your soul could fly and it's like magical and whimsy and fantasy and when it came out i was six so it's like the perfect age oh, for is. this movie mm. and emmanuel levitsky did the cinematography and he's like Iconic, so good.
4: So yeah, it it was a no-brainer. It's a beautiful movie. It looks yeah so beautiful, yeah, and very green, (laughs) extremely green. Caitlin, what's your history with this movie?
5: I watched it a lot as a child. This and. Secret Garden, I was watching constantly. I've probably seen this movie 30 times or so, because wow. it came out when I was nine. So I was... I you like you're, that's still like yeah, age. still the age to be appreciating this. And my sister and I uh, would watch it all the time. And then a couple of years later... Titanic would come out, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, of course, takes place around this same
4: era. There's a music box in this movie that's, that plays the same tune that Rose's music box plays in Titanic. Whoa. The one that goes doo doo doo. I did doo, not notice doo, that. Doo doo <gasps> do I was surprised that we didn't talk about oh. it because when I rewatched it this morning, I was like, oh, I know that music box tune. Oh my goodness!
5: It must just been a very popular music box from the early
4: 1900s. Very different vibes, though, because in A Little Princess, it's that little girl wailing because her mother's dead, (laughs) and in Titanic, it's Cal Hockley being like, "Why can't I fuck you?" And she's (laughs) like, "No." (laughs) Same music
5: box, very different (laughs) scenes. Yeah, so this was one of my childhood favorites, but hadn't watched it for probably 20 years or so. Mm. Um, So it was an interesting rewatch. Jamie, what's your history?
4: I don't have much of a history with this movie. Most people I talked to about this movie that were not completely in love with it as children... Very often confuse it with the Secret Garden. Mm-hmm. I am firmly in that camp. I mean, it's based on work from the same author. Yeah. The visual styles are similar. There's problematic themes about colonialism in India in both of them. Mm. Uh, but I, I, I think I saw it like maybe once or twice when I was when I was little. bit this, this movie came out when I was like two or three. So I, mm. I, I think I kind of missed it, and then saw it at a friend's house later. But I'm not. I wasn't particularly attached to it. But watching it back, I mean, it's like, it's an unusual movie for kids where it like takes heavy topics and deals with them in a heavy way, Mm. which you don't, I don't know. It's like an unusual approach. True. I don't know. I like it. And I like, my favorite color is green, so I'm a fan. (laughs) (laughs) It's good.
5: Should I do the recap? Yes. All right. So... It's 1914. Titanic sunk. Titanic has been sunk for two years. We're over it. (laughs) Uh, We meet this little girl named Sarah. She lives in India with her father they are clearly british colonizers
4: davos on game of thrones sure
2: as hell is that's my favorite part
4: you're like wait a second i know this daddy (laughs) (laughs) you took care of another little girl who needed a lot
2: of help Uh,
5: oh shireen i love davos (laughs) he's like you're my little princess this Indian woman named Maya who's like all girls are princesses. Mm-hmm. I don't know her relationship to this Indian woman exactly.
4: It's not clear. They really skirt mm-hmm. what is very clearly her dad's job of participating in colonialism. Yes, they, they really do. skirt it. I
2: have I after the recap we can get into why I think in this instance it might be okay. This is entirely from the perspective of a child. Right. Children don't understand these things. I don't know. I I, I'm wishy-washy about how I feel about the presentation of that. Sure,
4: it's. I mean, definitely, like Sarah being so naive about everything benefits the story in every way. (laughs) Because you would, I guess, you wouldn't if you were like, uh, how old is Sarah supposed to be? She's
2: eleven. The actress is eleven when this movie is released, so she's I think between the ages of Mm nine and twelve.
4: Okay, so Mm. like you wouldn't necessarily realize exactly what. Your parents at that are point doing at that no, time, yeah,
2: and yeah. you're sheltered That's from funny. a lot of that too. Is mm-hmm. like, and and I think that it plays, it makes because she is that way. It gets us to this like amazing villain. That I I just, I really like the dynamics of the villain being like, listen, girl, like the life that you think you're living is such a facade Mm -hmm. and you don't know hard work and you don't know what like difficulties are like. And I feel like she's really justified in a lot of places, not all of the places. She's Mm -hmm. also terrible, but I understood her.
4: (laughs) There is. Yeah. Seeing, seeing, uh, seeing her as an adult, you're like, oh, you're Mm -hmm. someone hurt you. Yes. That is the world hurt you. Yeah. I get it. (laughs)
5: um okay so then uh sarah's father has to go and fight in world war one so sarah is sent to a boarding school in new york city ever heard of it wow (laughs) and she has like the biggest bedroom all her toys are there she clearly comes from a place of extreme economic privilege yes daddy yes she gets a tour of the school. She meets, I guess, the headmistress, Miss Minchin. Mm-hmm. She's very strict. An icon, skunky stride. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I love it. Uh, we meet her sister, Amelia Minchin, who is nicer than her her sister, Miss She's Minchin. She's like a teacher. Yeah, there. Yeah. And then Sarah sees this little black girl who is mopping the floor, and she is like, hmm. And then Sarah meets the other girls who attend the school. And one of them is really mean. No! (laughs) All she wants to do is brush her hair! What a bitch! (laughs) Sarah starts her lessons. And the school has a lot of rules. Miss Minchin is always yelling at her. And then Sarah sees this black servant girl again. And she's curious about her. And she finds out that her name is Becky. Which... Love the irony of a (laughs) black girl being named Becky. Me
2: too. So much.
5: So Sarah goes up to Becky's living quarters and she's like, you have to go or we'll both be in trouble. She's like icing her feet. She has like very uncomfortable shoes. Yeah. Uh, So then Sarah sends Becky a new pair of shoes.
4: Shoes that I would like to have myself. They're, cute. they're, they're yellow, cute.
5: they're furry. Shoes.
4: Yeah. <laughs> they have heels, but they're slippers.
2: Yeah. Y- yeah. They're beaver lined. Listen, this is 1914 and they're fancy as hell. <laughs> she
5: spared no expense. And then Sarah gets in trouble again because she uses her imagination to liven up story time. And Miss Minchin is like, don't you fucking I use your imagination? imagination. <laughs> But uh, the girls want to hear Sarah's stories about, like, the princesses and
4: princes in India. so right. they... She's, like, sharing stories that Maya had told her previously. I think that what we're meant a, or to... Or stories she learned when she was living in India. Yes. Yeah.
5: Yes. So all the girls go to Sarah's room in secret so that she, they can keep hearing her stories. Uh, Meanwhile, Sarah's father is deep in the trenches of World War I. Davos is in it. There's mustard (laughs) gas and everything. It sucks. It's rough out there. It's rough. (laughs) And then during Sarah's birthday party, she receives word that her father was killed in action and that the British government has seized control of his company and all of his assets, which means that Sarah is now penniless, she has no
4: money. This is the one scene where I feel Miss Minchin went too far.
5: I have mixed
2: the- feelings about it too. Oh. I don't, I want to get too into it but like I just, you didn't have to stop that little girl's birthday
0: party, Right. I'm right. like,
2: why couldn't she have had one more hour of happiness? of oh, yes. just joy. Like the peak of her joy, she's like, now's the time to crush <laughs> it. But like yeah, I also feel like she's a woman who's like, these girls seem to be prepared for harm and hurt and I'm not going to mm-hmm. shield them from it because the world certainly wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And, she has such a hard time getting the words out to say it. It's clear that she doesn't take joy in hurting her, but I right. also think that she does take a little bit of pride in being able to knock her down a peg. And it's such a weird time to be, like, taking pride in something like that, and especially with a child. Uh, she's just so insecure. I feel for her deeply. She yeah. needs a good therapist. She, she, oh, <laughs> yes, she does. God, yes. I've, I've
4: been, no one believed in therapy at this time. No. <laughs> Freud, who is he? Passenger? <laughs> <laughs>
5: Uh, and then that black balloon that is, like, oh, moving so creepy. toward her. It's so, so, it's so good. The cinematography in this movie is so good. It,
4: it definitely
2: is.
5: feels like foreshadowing
2: for the It 2017, 2018, <laughs> like, remake.
5: Uh, oh, Miss okay. Mention. Who hurt you, Miss Mention? Uh, her, her daddy didn't tell her that she was a princess enough, and that's why she's mean. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> So yeah, Miss Minchin is is like you're alone in the world now, Sarah. Unless I decide to keep you here out of charity. So all of Sarah's belongings now belong to Miss Minchin and she is put to work as a servant in
4: the school to earn her room and board. And she's living like next in the attic with Becky.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And Miss Minchin is like, you're not a princess any longer because throughout the story so far, Sarah has has been telling her peers at school, you're a princess, I'm a princess, we're all princesses. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's taken down a (laughs)
0: pay
5: <laughs> so she moves to the attic with becky and starts working as a servant they become good friends and then also there's something going on next door there's an old man who lives there uh, who has a son who is also fighting in the war he has gone like mia and then there's an indian man who lives with him again that relationship is unclear Although, according to some of my research, he is identified as a servant Mm -hmm. uh, to the old man. And then Sarah keeps seeing him around town. And then there's an injured soldier with amnesia who turns up who they think might be the old man's son, John. But it's not, because it's Sarah's daddy. Daddy. Papa, 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 Papa,
2: Papa, Papa, can you hear me?
5: Listen, I really thought she was
2: going to launch into a full musical (laughs) of Yentul. Just, Papa, can you hear me? It's
4: amazing. The restraint in this not being a musical is incredible.
2: Although she does sing the song at the end, oh she, d- oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Does that it okay. is definitely
4: her, they were
2: just this close. Yeah,
4: the, we'll talk about the child actress who who played her. What a what a story. She what has a, a crazy life story. Yes. Oh really? Yeah, we don't mean? know anything oh, we'll about get, it. We'll get okay, it um,
5: so the old man takes Papa in, but he doesn't remember anything. He doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know that he has a daughter. And Sarah, of course, is not still yet privy hot, to this information. Young Sir Davos, still hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he can get it now, he can get it then. He's yeah. just available. <laughs> <laughs> so Sarah decides to start getting back at Miss Minchin. They pour some soot into her room. The yeah. other girls help Sarah get her locket back by stealing it from Miss Minchin. They go up to the attic to give her the locket and to hear more of her stories. But then Miss Minchin catches them, and she's like, Sarah... How many times do I have to tell you you're not a princess? Look in the mirror. You're gross. (laughs) (laughs) And you're not allowed to eat tomorrow, and neither are you, Becky. (laughs) Sarah's all like, well, I am still a princess. All girls are princesses. Didn't your father ever tell you that? And then Miss Minchin, she's... Crying and she's upset, but we'll never but we'll learn, learn never. why.
4: <laughs> she has to become a chimney sweep, and her boss is the a kid. Most <laughs> confu- they
2: explain literally everything. You're like, okay, but why is she poor? Oh, okay, because the government sees it. Okay. like they, they, they give you an explanation for everything, but then at the end, she's like a chimney sweep, and you're like, that doesn't track. I don't understand what happened we didn't here. You see her get
4: fired. There. Yeah. yeah. Like,
2: she didn't really, the cops didn't seem to care. They're like, I guess we just go home now. Four men to arrest a little girl was a lot, but no, we're done. <laughs> <in. laughs> Weird and then the, the
5: plaque on the school says, like, the Randolph School for Girls. And I think that's the name of the man next door. Oh. So I guess he buys the school. Okay, so reading is fundamental. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but before that all happens, Sarah and Becky have been told that they're not allowed to eat at all. Uh, they have to do, like, all their chores without any meals for the day. And then they wake up that morning and there's this whole feast in the attic for them that we are meant to believe the mysterious Indian man next door somehow provided for them. Right. He like there's drapes. He also made it
4: snow at he, one point. He makes
5: it snow. <laughs> he gives their whole room a makeover. Some real m- mystic
4: <laughs> wizardry going on here.
5: Right. And then Miss Minchin comes in and sees all this stuff and she thinks Sarah stole it so she calls the police so Sarah escapes into the house next door and sees her father but he still has amnesia and, and doesn't heart remember her. scene of the
4: entire film. Oh, oh it gets me. She's <laughs> when like, she Pap! howls oh my god the, her performance in that scene you're like whoa. whoa.
2: Listen, she almost fell off a building
4: like climbed out in the rain <laughs> running from the police saying goodbye
2: mm-hmm. to a girl she considers her sister mm-hmm. finds the one thing she's looking for and he's like I don't know, I don't you. know <laughs> you I'm are. so sorry. <laughs> Sorry, this is not my kid, Maury. Please <laughs> take her on stage left. <laughs> she just breaks out. Oh, crazy. Oh.
5: And then, So he doesn't remember cool. who she is, so the police come in and they're taking her away. But suddenly he does remember because, again, the Indian man stares really hard at him. And he's cured
4: mm-hmm. of his amnesia. And the music cue with the no more amnesia. You're like, oh, this is all sorts of wrong. <laughs> it's uh, only that uh, one
2: music cue for all the magical happenstances. Too. Yeah. <laughs> exact same one. You're like, okay, I guess like, like Peploni ex- ex- response too. Because you're like at this point, oh, something good's about to happen. Right.
4: <laughs> it's... So we're and then they have that conversation when Davos's uh like blindfold is still on because you call him Davos. Davos. <laughs> What's it Liam Cunningham? Yes. he's Davos. But he's wearing his like his blindfold and his memory starts to come back when the Indian man says he's from India and then Davos is like India. That's familiar. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> it was like, what but is that But his happening
2: daughter's here? voice screaming for help across the alleyway? No, <laughs> no shut the window. That's just a some loud little kid next door. <laughs> but this India you speak of. It is That's his so... favorite
5: place on the
2: planet. <laughs>
5: <laughs> to only dream in India. Okay, bro. Uh, so then yeah, so then her father remember Papa remembers mm-hmm. and they reunite and then everything is great. Becky goes with them. I guess they go back to India. Not sure. Unclear. Um, They
4: at least take a left. That's where the movie ends. (laughs) (laughs) That's Somewhere as as better know. than this. <laughs> mm-hmm.
5: And then, yeah, Miss Minchin has to work as a chimney sweep. Amelia has run off with the milkman. Good for mm-hmm. you, girl. And oh, then that's that.
4: the end of the story. And then uh, okay. there's no one to educate the girls, and we don't know what happens <laughs> to them. No right. Teachers. Right.
5: The, the French teacher, I guess, is still oh. there. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, That's that's not good for those girls. <laughs> he
2: did not seem competent. No. <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted tea and a nap, okay? <laughs> he was so tired. And he to was... be very rude to ladies in charge. Listen, we don't always mm-hmm. have to agree, but in front of children we are a united front. Mm-hmm. And for you to be like, she could teach you a thing about it. your friends like,
4: bitch, what? Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? Miss Minchin, uh Miss Minchin ending up, and then the kid who's her boss was a kid she had yelled at earlier. I yeah. appreciated that kid's arc. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, he gets yelled at by Miss Minchin, and then he's like, I'm your fucking boss. <laughs> I'm seven. Like <laughs> that kid had cojones.
2: He was going in for that money. He was like, excuse me, no, you pay me. I did my job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he knew
5: his value. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, yes,
2: and taught yeah. our girls some value. Oh <laughs> my God, what a uh, fun movie! What a, what a wild
5: story. Uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll jump into the discussion. Yeah.
0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating Pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women
3: just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters, May 17th. This is it. Your moment.
1: This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
5: Where where should we start? (sighs) Well, there's so much. (laughs) For me, having grown up with this movie and still appreciating it to some degree, it's a story that is at least partly about female friendship like that's one of like the core tenets of of the movie and then it's specifically about female friendship among young girls which is not that common in like mainstream movies which is crazy but like we talked a little bit about this on the it takes two episode but there's like just so few movies about like girls being friends or like Mm an ensemble cast of young girls and mm. like
4: the stuff that they do together and the things that they talk about together yeah. and like what they have in co- and I, I appreciate it I was a little I had forgotten about the bully character and I was like oh it's so easy to like create friction that way but even though like Sarah and what's the name of that carrot Lavinia, Lavinia. yes yeah. I have an aunt named Lavinia
2: so I have a super soft spot for Lavinia no hell
4: yes <laughs> I love Lavinia I
2: love Lavinia because she is like I feel like the film does a really good job of showing, like, what Lavinia's issue is. Like, Lavinia was the most popular and probably would never have had a problem with this girl except for that her teacher, like, she's going to be the most popular girl. And she was like, whoa, whoa, my status is in jeopardy. And her status is, like, the only thing she has. She loves having these, like, girls follow her around. And it's not... No, it's definitely not, like, the best kind of person. You don't want to model your life after Lavinia. (laughs) But it's, like, an honest portrayal of, I think, a girl who has found herself, like, a corner of attention. And I think what it strings through all these girls' stories is they just miss their parents Mm -hmm. really bad. Mm -hmm. And I think... Lavinia never talks about her parents but I imagine part of this is missing her parents part of this like popularity and being surrounded and being comforted and knowing people like prefer her like Mm -hmm. it's not I do a lot of inferring in this movie so feel free (laughs) to be like Joelle that's a great headcanon but this is not what was shown in the movie I have a problem with it I don't know maybe I'm trying to justify it but I I feel strongly like Lavinia has a a really solid arc because even at the end we get that great little hug where she was like I love you," because you're no longer going to be a problem Right? right. you can't steal my I if you're not her here. Way. So I like you plenty. I was
5: like, okay, she did not redeem herself in any way. Lavinia did not, but no. suddenly Sarah's Lavinia. like, okay, let's hug. It seems a little to me like Lavinia is Cersei and Ooh. Sarah <laughs> is Daenerys, and she Sarah's like kind of comes in. I feel like Sarah's gonna be Sansa.
2: I can't school. see her ever going blood and fire. <laughs> no.
4: Sarah is very, very pure. Uh, yeah, she I. I, I liked the Lavinia. I liked that there was an arc and that that was resolved and it wasn't just like, and now the mean girl is mean forever. And right. I, I don't know. I mean, all the relationships between the girls felt like, I mean, they spoke like they were, you know, 30 at times. But that's <laughs> movies. I, I thought but that also the time period, I think. Yeah, like when
2: Children, as, especially of an educated certain level, were required to, they were spoken to like adults. You were considered like, a young adult at like 12 mm-hmm. instead of like us we're like you're
4: 20, 25 now you're like a whole person <laughs> people <laughs> didn't live as long yeah. then they had to age <laughs> up, up quicker uh, yeah, but yeah. I liked I mean all the relationships between the girls at the school felt like realistic and mm-hmm. it was really nice to see how their worldviews were shaped by the adults around them Which I think was like had part to do with how the other girls received Becky just based on what they had been told by adults, where like that's there's that uh exchange between sarah who this is like her first time we're assuming this is her first time seeing an interaction like this and she doesn't seem to understand like why isn't becky with us why is she wearing something different yeah and then the girl she's speaking to lottie? lillian oh no you're right lottie, lottie. lottie <laughs> yes. screaming child 19, 1914 <laughs> she says that's becky she's not allowed to talk to us why not she's a servant girl and she has dark skin so well, doesn't that mean something? Like it's just like I mean it was just like it was interesting to see like a young girl like encountering that and then also having the girls around her explain oh, isn't this just like how things are? And like, just not challenging it. And it's such
2: a great, like, the reason I I really love this film is because of Becky. Mm -hmm. Essentially like, Becky's the only black girl in her school. I was the only black girl in my school until seventh grade. So, the way the girls reacted around her, the way that they had a lot of thoughts about who Becky should be or how she should act, like all that, like, really resonated. Like, Becky looks different, she acts different, and her responsibilities are different, and it's Like to see a film explore, you have to be taught to hate in a way that isn't so in your face about it It was sort of refreshing. I love the way that that scene ends because there isn't really anything for her to say. Like she challenges as much as she can. And Sarah challenges most situations, like when they're like, no talking at the dinner table. She's like, well, that's unnatural. (laughs) People (laughs) discuss, you know, it's weird. I just said, thank you. Usually that's, you know, really rewarded as a child. Like, oh, she knows her manners. Right. And so I, I like the idea of. I think this film does a really good job of showing like kids have agency and are people and have thoughts, but oftentimes they don't know what to do with those thoughts. Like I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of times like. When we get smart kids in movie, they're like just slam dunking on adults. Like, <laughs> I mean, we talk about
5: like the precocious child trope yeah. all the time, and yes. I didn't feel as though any of the children in this movie fell no. into that
4: trope, which felt like refreshing to, yeah. to mm-hmm. see like kids acting like kids. And even when like Sarah challenges Lottie the smallest bit, you almost see her be like, "Oh, I, I don't know, like." Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, that's just, I don't know. I never had a cognitive thought about this. I just accepted what was given to me. Absolutely. And I, I
5: guess it makes sense for Sarah to have that attitude because, I mean, she grew up in India among people with dark skin and like that. I mean, she was a British colonizer, even though she has an American accent. Confusing. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess, I mean, people with dark skin were very normal to her. This is where I think it gets
2: muddled as to like, okay, it would have been great to have gotten some reference points of what her status was in that society and where her father's position of rank was Mm -hmm. because... Is he like just a soldier hanging out, and he's practically one of the people? And he's then he's got that so makes... much
4: money, right. yeah, when which they makes get me there. think that
2: he's much higher. Also, when we see her room in India, it's like elaborate and gorgeous. They say it's mm-hmm. the
5: biggest room. He says, "I spared no expense." Mm-hmm. Like he's—they're clearly very wealthy, totally. And yeah. so I
2: think trying to figure out like how much did she see, how much is she aware? Because as much as I believe you have to be taught to hate, I also believe that by like. 10 you've seen enough of the world that you can start putting together how humans treat different humans differently Mm -hmm. um and i think she would have seen bits and pieces of that in india and so it's like i don't know it's nice that she's so innocent and you can kind of Mm -hmm. pass it off but it's also hard to believe that she would be
4: like that and yeah Mm -hmm. there's i mean and there's like a lot of and we can get into this later as well but like there's a lot of you know like confusion and a little bit of i guess i don't know if we can call it a controversy if it's in a 100 year old book but Frances Hodgson Burnett, who wrote this and The Secret Garden, uh, never went to India, had never been there, (laughs) Uh, but uses, like, those colonial themes, like, in the background of so many of Mm -hmm. her books and presents Indian characters as, like, very docile and, like... The Saeed
2: really was bothering me by the end of the movie. I'm like, this is, like, maybe a third of his lines are just that one word, and it's such a, a... signal call of servitude and it's just like, I don't think we needed it. She hangs out with so many like servants, people of different skin color like you could have made this person a human being mm-hmm. as yeah. opposed to just the magical genie figure.
4: Uh, right? Yeah, and, and I mean, and it's like th- especially because like this movie takes place in 1914 when rebellion in India is becoming like a huge thing. This is like when Gandhi's movement is taking off and they're like, no, they're mostly just uh there to make dinner appear by (laughs) magic like it's just it's i don't know so the like the whole way that that author approaches stuff like that seems to be like agreed upon that it's like at at best very misguided
5: yeah that might serve as a good transition into the conversation that uh i had with our friend paula v ganalan Friend of the show. Friend of the show. We had a quick chat with her that uh, we will play for you now. now. Hi, Caitlin here. I am sitting with friend of the podcast, Paula V. Ganalan, hey, who watched the movie with us and then also recorded this podcast previously and then the audio quality was bad my fault so we're doing this again
0: yay
6: i get to talk more yes
5: (laughs) (laughs) so thanks for coming back we really appreciate it and we would love to hear your insights about the representation of indian people indian culture in the movie a little princess yes You gave me notes because
6: this was a month ago and I forgot. Um, I guess we could start by talking about the mythology that's represented in the movie. And that's like the story
5: of the Ramayana. mm -hmm. To set this up a little bit, the Sarah character is telling a story to her classmates throughout the course of the movie. So every so often we'll, we'll cut to scenes of Sarah telling the story. And then there will also be other cuts to characters enacting the story that she's telling so Correct. that's the setup and I think we thought that from
6: the beginning of the movie it was a story told to her by an Indian woman that she's then relaying right to her char- that's what we're meant to believe I think yeah. but I think she is taking ownership of the story because her friends are all like you're such a good storyteller and it's like she just was telling hindu mythology (laughs)
5: like
6: a whole religion to her (laughs) friends and it's just like i came up with this right
5: well full disclosure when i watched this movie a lot as a kid i had no idea that the story that she was telling was any sort of hindu mythology i thought that she I don't even know what I thought it was. I um, I think I thought as a kid that she was just kind of making the story up as she goes, especially because we see a scene in the movie at some point where she doesn't like the boring story that's being told at story time. So she starts to invent yeah. an alternate ending for like, she basically writes fanfic in her <laughs> during story time. So I just kind of assumed that she was applying those creative storytelling skills to her telling this story, but now I know... Thanks to Lord
6: Rama and Sita. And it's a whole, a whole big thing (laughs) in Hindu mythology and the way that it's presented. One thing that I didn't, I know that they can't tell like the whole story of it, but Mm -hmm. they left out like glaring parts. So they're banished to a forest and he has a brother. They don't bring up the brother. The brother's a key character. Uh Um, She gets captured by Ravana, who is a demon with many heads. The representation <laughs> Which, in this fucking movie was like an acid trip. The, not that I would know what that is. <laughs> of, of course, course not. Of, co- of, course. of
5: course not, recorded course. No one, audience. No one, no one has ever done drugs. <laughs> no one's,
6: Nobody knows what <laughs> drugs are. But assuming... Um but yeah it was crazy like the representation of the demon was insane and then there was like whole chunks of the middle the monkey god Hanuman is a big part of this story mm-hmm. and wasn't brought into it so it was basically the kidnapping of Sita and the rescue of her that was only represented in this which is retelling
5: of very much like a fairy tale almost like a Hans Christian. Like they just gentrified the shit out of it. Right. It's just (laughs) like a princess gets captured and a prince needs to save her from a tower in a castle. Like that's what Yeah, I don't
6: even remember the tower being a thing, but I was like, when I saw it,
5: I was like, is this Rapunzel? Like what's happening? (laughs) It's kind of invoking like, yeah, that sort of imagery. Yeah. So yeah, it just, it seems to me like she's just like doing this very like, Americanized, like bastardized version of this Hindu mythology. And they whitewashed it even more by having white
6: actors play the gods. Yes. Okay. <laughs> right.
5: <laughs> so when the movie cuts away to Rama and Sita playing out the story that Sarah is telling the actors who are playing those two characters are white we've got liam cunningham who plays sarah's father who's also playing rama in like blue face yeah (laughs) but like Brown face essentially because it's you know a brown. It's a brown from- blue face. Okay, yeah, right, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> um And then Sita is played by an Australian actor named Allison Moyer.
6: Was she like the mom in the photograph?
5: I think so. Yes. Okay. I think that's what. So
6: basically, Sarah's like retelling a story with her parents cast as like Hindu gods mm-hmm. and goddesses yes. <laughs> and shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Damn, that's bold. <laughs> that is bold. You were
5: also saying that she butchers a lot of the pronunciations of different like oh characters yeah and, and i stuff can't remember like specifics now but mm-hmm. for sure yeah
6: um which is like it's understandable why people can't pronounce <laughs> things we know this i'm sure i've already mispronounced it's fine s- several but things everything together was troublesome
5: <laughs> right because i mean it's essentially again because there's no nothing is done in the movie to explain that the story that she is telling actually comes from Hindu mythology and is not just some, like, make-believe she's... Yeah,
6: it's like a white girl just taking over a whole religion, (laughs) which is very invoking of that... Do you remember when that, like, dad went and planted a flag in Africa and declared that land his daughters? (laughs) Like, that American dad? That's what that felt like (laughs) a little bit. It's like, my princess owns this now. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
5: (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so then the other main issue as far as i can tell with the movie in this context is the character his name is ram das is that how you say that ram das yeah he is the indian man who lives next door to the school where sarah attends school he essentially assumes the role of a like mystical magical person who's like all seeing all knowing he seems to have powers like because like white movies american movies love to poise like a person who is black or east asian or south asian as the like magical foreigner trope and this Which- movie does it I'm
6: fine with as long as you think we can curse you (laughs) (laughs) I don't give a shit as long as you think we're more powerful than you fair I don't give a fuck like bow to us or whatever (laughs) (laughs) right on good good Good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah so he's like he does always show up and there's was I imagining this or like did I is there like the sound of wind chimes whenever he shows up or something like that? There's like a specific music cue. Very Indian. Yes. It was, like anytime almost like a sitar or, or something. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Like I anytime know what it was. he like Forget. does his powers, which is like, anytime you look at him and he's just like, da <laughs>
5: <laughs> right. Cause he, here are a few of the things that happen as it relates to his magical mysticism. He somehow always knows what's going on with Sarah. He happens to be on the boat that Sarah and her father are on when they're traveling from India to the U.S. He just happens to live next door at the school. It's suggested that he is the one who brings them like this big feast. He decorates their, he basically the queer eyes yeah. their <laughs> room. You know, he does, he gives them new clothes. He gives them food. He does the whole Bobby decoration thing. It was, it was um, Sarah and her friend. Yes. And
6: it was, yeah, they like walk into the room. And they're like, oh my God.
5: <laughs> they wake up, Oh so, yeah, they wake up like yeah. in the like very ornate bed, so it's like, how did he do all this stuff without waking them up? He like did this overnight, so it's like this Well, I've always argued that Santa Claus is Indian.
6: <laughs> We're very hospitable, and we'll come to your house and give you sweets. that's, that's I, mean,
5: <laughs> I mean, the things that he does in the movie, uh, you know, are very kind and generous gestures. But I think that some people might find this trope problematic. Yeah, of like, I'm sh- I know it is. I just like exercising
6: power over white people. <laughs> yes, that is important. But yeah, it's not. It's not good to dehumanize other ethnicities. <laughs>
5: yeah it also it um
6: justifies trying to colonize them right it's like you're trying to harness their power right it's like the fucking wakanda thing why everybody's trying to go that you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah they're like they have something we want it
5: mm-hmm. so that's i mm-hmm, don't know mm-hmm. that character was played by a brown man right yes so um, so at least they didn't whitewash every indian character in the movie. But yeah. And then the the really wild thing is that there's like this weird like deus ex machina thing that he does in the movie where it's the climactic scene. Her father still doesn't have his memory. And then Ram Dass just looks at him. But like father, really hard. Really hard. Like he looks
6: at him like super hard. Very
5: determined. And then and like that somehow brown. with his magical energy... <laughs> He is able to restore the memory of Sarah's father. And then that's what effectively resolves the whole story. It's just really playing into the trope of like... Indian doctors.
6: That's you're playing into that trope too. (laughs) Not every Indian is gonna heal your memory, people.
5: (laughs) Right. Like Indian people do other things besides be magic and be doctors. Also,
6: like we have to study hard to be doctors. Okay. We don't just stare at people. probably not as hard as everyone
5: but no i'm kidding <laughs> i'm kidding oh <laughs> uh, so that yeah that's not great and then we also see him in like several different scenes over the course of what we can assume is many different months yeah. that the movie takes but he, but he's always wearing the same exact outfit he Was never it the same changes outfit? i think so i
6: remember there being so we talked about orange and green, green yeah he wears orange and green a
5: lot too Right? Yeah, he's wearing, I think, mostly gold. Yeah, or like orangey gold. 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 Yeah. yeah, But it, if memory serves, he's either wearing the same thing or nearly the same exact thing in every... As if he only has the one outfit. Yeah. <laughs> so that's also and very bizarre. And if you've ever been to a fucking Indian
6: wedding... You know, that's not true. Right. <laughs> They're very We colorful. do changes during the wedding ceremony <laughs> in South India. So like literally the bride changes her sari. Yeah. So I just
5: feel like that doesn't do our culture yeah. justice. Misrepresentation. <laughs> There's another kind of bizarre thing that happens where Sarah puts a curse on another classmate of hers. She like kind of speaks in a language that I certainly didn't recognize, you said that you didn't recognize it. It might just be that she's kind of speaking in tongues. And then she's like, oh, that was just a curse from a witch that I learned in India. It'll probably make your hair fall out. So it's just like adding another layer of like showing Indian culture as being like this mystical foreign potentially like almost like scary thing that is like unfamiliar and strange to white people but that white people can use at will that can appropriate like yoga
6: <laughs> right <laughs> they've taken our powers from us <laughs> i mean yoga the kama
5: sutra yeah lo- Fucking white people oil. love to <laughs> steal stuff from other cultures so those were the main things that struck me in the movie. Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on?
6: I think one thing that I, we were talked about last time was that the only representation we had at that point was like Apu. <laughs> right. And then like this, and then people would confuse the Indian in the cabinet and just like make a joke. And oh I'm like, that's gosh. a different thing, <laughs> but <Yeah>. okay. Um, <laughs> so there wasn't much. So it, it is interesting that they took this like mysticism route as opposed to like the poverty route that usually people take. I honestly don't really remember this movie from my childhood. So I don't remember anybody like making fun of me with it Mm -hmm. or whatever. Like I feel, I feel like this movie was definitely for white people. Like Uh, a thousand percent. (laughs) Whereas I think like Apu, like there's so much, so much issue with it that people have now, but like it definitely penetrated Indian American culture or like South Asian American culture. Right. Like it was like in our lives. But yeah. this movie I like don't really remember it affecting me. Watching this movie I was like, ah, oh, it'd be so dope if Hindu mythology there was like a different take on it that was like more American but still like true to it because mm-hmm. like watching it I was like the coolest parts was the story. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Right. Like the Ramayana parts But, like, I was thinking, like, it'd be cool if there was something like a, you know, Romeo cross Juliet, where it was like Leonardo DiCaprio, like something like more modernized and like weird and fun. I would love to watch that. But like for Hindu mythology. But then also,
5: so whenever it cuts to the Rama and Sita story... All the set design is, was like, terrible. extra campy. So, oh, that is camp. Oh, now I know what camp
6: is. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was arguing about what camp was for the Met Gala. Oh, and it turns out it's, it's just those scenes from The Little Princess. Exactly. <laughs> Amazing.
5: Like, yeah, the colors are just, like, really weirdly, like, saturated. And just, like, everything's, like, plastic. And it just, like... Yeah, they definitely like made shit. it look very fake. <laughs> yeah.
6: Which was disrespectful (laughs) right yeah it would be cool to see like a because all of those mythologies like they're told over and over again Mm -hmm. in india in like these different like serials and like these movies and tv shows and stuff but it would be cool to see like an american do it like an indian american or hindu american like whatever Mm -hmm. do it but with the technology we have now and with like more like yeah that'd be kind of cool for sure someone pay me (laughs) <laughs> yes give palavi all of your money thank for you
5: <laughs> that's uh, anyways
6: that's a thought that i had but- yeah no
5: that's great this has been great thank you this perspective is so helpful so we really appreciate you taking the time yeah. twice of course to talk to me the next us. time it'll be even better let's yeah. delete this <laughs> thanks again so much thank for, you for your me. very helpful perspective and uh, well, back to the episode Da-da-da we got to take a quick break, but we will come right back.
0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.
4: just
3: being me. Amy Winehouse, back to black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson, rated R. Under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your
1: moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Wow.
5: Queen Pala Pala
2: v. V. She's done it
4: again. She's
2: informative and helpful in placing my feelings on where things happen and mm-hmm. why they happen. And I feel like what kind of that conversation reveals that it really we could have added like a few moments here and there of dialogue like when they first meet like what if he introduced himself and was like, "Hey, how you doing?" Like, <laughs> and she could have like maybe said like, "I miss India," and they could have maybe talked about a place that for them
4: was both home, mm-hmm. you know, and that right. might have given
2: like some levity. And we didn't need like you know twenty minutes of that. We need like two, two yeah, to three, but like
4: some vaguely defined friendship between them. Like I feel like that would have served the story too, totally. Instead of him just appearing, there's a lot of characters in this movie that I'm like we just don't know enough about them I would include Becky in that we don't really know what her background is and there were a few opportunities to provide that context that just doesn't I was so frustrated in the scene where they're on the op you know they're talking through like the wall in the attic And they're talking about how um, Sarah misses India. Like, this would be a great time for Sarah to ask Becky, like, what is your background? How did you end up here? She does not do that. And we never we like we're given very little information about Becky's background, which and I mean, even less for the Indian man and mm. and and also Miss Minchin like we don't really know like who what happened why is she I don't know if I want to know say...
2: any more about Miss Minchin I've been going really I've been going back and forth about it a lot because on the one hand I'm like well maybe there was like a thing with Sarah's mother because we know Sarah's mother went there maybe that's like mm. she has like this ingrained like mm. internal hate but on the other hand like this movie is doing something that I, I wish more movies would do which is tell me less there's something mm-hmm. great about being able to fill gaps in a movie it doesn't quite work for tv shows and it 1800 hours of content there but when you have like 90 tight minutes and you're just exploring people being themselves in these moments it's it's really intriguing to start wondering about it. like because that dad line really triggered her like yeah. that actor got to make such great choices based entirely on just where she wanted to take that character she's like really, she was in the Beatles help um, yes, people so. think that maybe Eleanor Rickby was named after her yes. I couldn't find any backup information on that I, Paul McCartney did an interview with GQ I think maybe last year where he explains like where these songs came from. He describes Eleanor Rigby as a song about World War II widows that he like grew up with in the projects in London. And it's a song dedicated to them and how their lives never quite got right but her name is Eleanor she was in help maybe but she also has like all these cool like weird roles she plays a lot of like witches and weird old people and I think to get such a she's so cool and she's alive and now I'm like trying to track her down and trying to a series on like aging Hollywood people because I'm really intrigued (gasps) if you're an outlet who wants that DM me let me know (laughs) they're like well our readers like this I'm like yes like what happened to these people who are 90 years old like Doris Day just died and nobody got her final statements on like how she felt about her life It's really annoying. I digress. Um, (laughs) She's really cool. If you know her, like, tell her people love her still. But, like, to do such cool things, like, women who, especially at a time where your option was get married or live a life of some kind of servitude, for her to live alone, for her to clearly not like that path... She did some great things with – she's British, but there are moments where you get, like, this New York accent that's very much, like, a street New York, like, Brooklyn sounding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It comes out particularly when she's sometimes Sarah is so eloquently said, but sometimes it's, like, Sarah with a hard E. Sarah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> almost like a Southern – like, it's, it's really – and I really feel like this actress is just making really strong choices to be, like, listen, this is a woman who rose up a bit. I think she – doing the math, it seems like she must have inherited the school from, like – a mother figure because the school is and... called
5: miss Minchin's like seminary for girls but right. it was established in like the 1850s, 1850s okay. something like yeah. That. yeah so it's like a family or maybe she's 200 years old <laughs> she's and, a and has found the fountain of youth <laughs> she's a
2: daywalker. i love it um but yeah you don't get to see characters like either of the meachums especially in kids movies they're either totally awful or incredibly sweet and to see
4: mm-hmm.
2: an adult who has an issue with kids i don't know if you guys hang out with any kids but my Roommate, my other roommate is a school teacher, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Man, some of these kids are just bitches." And I was <laughs> like, now she works in Beverly Hills, so I don't know how much money oh, has God. like a financial strain on things, but yeah. it, it's certainly your personality is there, and sometimes you just don't like a child. Yeah, and how does that manifest, and how does that child deal with that? Because sarah didn't do anything i think Meacham has very valid reasons for being like this girl is foolish and she's gonna get steamrolled by life mm-hmm. and i'm gonna be the hard person who's in her face telling her like it really imagination is imagination so she can sucks, grow sarah. up get used to it but she also <laughs> is so limiting so refined even in herself that floating down the stairs
5: came oh, my god, yes. oh my god oh my god it's so. still
2: <laughs> it's so creepy Ugh. things that float in movies especially older women like I don't know if you guys have ever seen House on Haunted Hill. It was no, super it's been a super good movie for your show because it was written <laughs> by a lesbian. Um, but it is, like, any floating lady just really creeps me out. And she just mm-hmm.
4: glides Her legs everlessly. do this, like, weird daddy yes, long legs basically. thing. And yeah. then her, like, whole, her, her frame is just, like, still floating. To, and I'm like, how? She looks like she's Dolly tracking herself. <laughs> yes. You're just like, how is that humanly possible? It was That was like one of the only things I remembered about the movie at all. Was that very memorable. It's so freaky. (laughs) It it says a lot about her.
2: She's clearly trained to be among high society. And I think she's dealing with, if you look at the kids, who she picks on, I think she's picking on kids who remind her somewhat of herself, of something that she shut Mm. down. Because the other girl, Ermengarde. Ermengarde. What a damn (laughs) name. She used the Bumblebee girl in that 90s music video. Oh. Some kind of punk music. Oh, No video. Rain. Yeah. Yeah, she was. Yes. she. So that's the same actress um, who also did a really lovely job. She comes from, I'm guessing, like an Irish cop father who rose through the ranks. Again, I have a lot of headcanon on these characters. <laughs> I love Irvingard. She's so sweet. She's adorable. But uh, mention picks on her a lot in class for not being able to do math. Mm-hmm. And she's like frustrated and i think anything that reminds her of like low class or head in the clouds she just cannot stand looking at that part of herself or just like excessive
4: naive like naivete Mm -hmm. in kids seems to really bother her because like sarah is very naive when she gets there Mm -hmm. and then is like la 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 here's my story and she doesn't like that i feel like ermengarde sort of falls into that category as well where Mm -hmm. she's yeah she's like floatier and spacier and like miss mentioned she's a realist yeah she's like the world is gonna hurt you and if it doesn't hurt you I'll i hurt will you. all right <laughs> I love that scene with when Ermengarde goes to the attic and it's like she's very upset and she's just like, "Why do not you want to be my friend anymore?" Yeah. <laughs> like it's like, "Oh God, I had that interaction so much when I was a
2: kid." I was gonna say, if you're a girl and you've ever bared your soul to another girl yeah. in a very platonic way of like, "Why are we not friends?" I'm trying to understand. <laughs>
4: it gets you. Oh, oh man, I really loved that scene. And then they had and then like Sarah and Becky have the knocking system, and I was like, "Oh, this is like little girl like paradise of like secret." Codes yeah. and oh, like bearing your soul constantly. The slumber parties where she's uh, just telling
2: her very factually inaccurate and probably racist story, but the fact that they're <laughs> like all like buried under the covers and like listening and very intrigued. And it's like there's there's a power in girl groups that, and especially I think if you're isolated the way they are, they don't have any agency over their like daily activities mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they're sort of very much bound to each other yeah um in the system and it, it- I it's still it's weird to me that we don't have more stories about this because it's such a defining point for like every woman. You would think that there would be. I mean, I want to see more stories. I would buy tickets to see more stories like this. I mean, there's so few. It's it's
5: wild how few there are.
4: And like the sister, like the whole school kind of has this like subtleish arc where at the beginning you have Lottie like not questioning anything and just being like, oh well, this is the way things are, of course. And and then they also have. Have, like the girls in the school, even the ones we don't know as well. By the end, they're all like down to do this like locket operation, and they've like made the decision that they're going to support each other and not just like I'm, I'm like getting all. I do up. like it. Oh, so <laughs> nice. There's like they're an Ocean's gonna... Eight sequence where they like <laughs> heist the hell out of this
5: locket. <laughs>
4: yeah, where they get the locket back, and oh, it's so. And then like Becky gets like her big moment where she makes a noise in front oh, yeah. of people yes. ah! she got that look! like <laughs> I, I, I i i i thought i saw a mouse you just mention it hits the door and eats shit and we're like yeah, yeah that was great
2: <laughs> 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 it just so perfect it's so sweet and charming and becky's journey as much as i think that she could have been a more central figure what we do mm-hmm. get out of her is so like great like there's if you're black, you care about your hair a lot and how kids are represented in films mm-hmm. is really important to me. Mm-hmm. And it was frustrating at first to be like, man, this girl's hair is so messy. I'm so frustrated by it. But the more I watch the film and, and again, watch the arc that all of these girls get, it's like, you shouldn't have anybody who cares for her. Right, like she's clearly somewhat depressed and how could you not be being surrounded by girls your age and not being allowed to have any kind of interaction with them that even this girl just looking at her is like, wow. And you get like even the reversal of the moment when Sarah kind of storms in on Becky to be like... Sarah in, in her again very naive mind is like I'm gonna like just go make friends and Becky's like who the hell are you doing yeah. like mm-hmm. you cannot be in my room we are both gonna get in so much trouble please leave mm-hmm. um, she stands up for herself that a way I think when you get it here's what i say: if you get a token black character so often they are just treated very much like side characters and for Becky to get not just a name not just a role but like to be taken with her at the end and her dress looks so good oh. and her hair is so perfect and she's like they're very much treated as equals like even though it's like magical and silly how they um, get that breakfast like they both get the same shoes which I like always love and that kind of stuff like I had like Susie Carmichael (laughs) Becky in this movie yeah as as far as like talking with my white peers about like black representation under the age of 12 those were kind of it as who they knew and so to Mm -hmm. see like both of those characters sort of rise and be powerful in their own rights and like Becky literally finds her voice by screaming and, you know, it's to help <laughs> these other chump white girls. who didn't really give her a lot, but yeah. she didn't have a lot of else to work with. Um, and I, man, I like it still, even though it's problematic, even though it's very much a signal of how desperate I was for representation <laughs> yeah. in any of the things I was mm-hmm. watching. It's a, you don't get black girls in period pieces. I'm obsessed with period pieces. I'm obsessed with fantasy. And mm-hmm. so this like Becky always has like a special place
4: in my
5: heart. She's
2: Aww.
4: awesome. <laughs> That's great. She's the best. I do, like, I love Sarah and Becky's scenes together are very sweet and very, we're just like,
5: mm, it's so nice. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. Um, do you think this is a white savior story?
2: Ooh. I mean, yeah, if you're just looking, Becky isn't given enough to do to really save herself and she doesn't really seem to ever desire more. We Again, like you guys said, we don't really know much about her life outside of this situation mm-hmm. there's not even a lot of like foreshadow I mean that would require a lot for an actress to of that age to imbue more about her outside of what's in the text so yeah it yeah. it is a white yeah. savior story i <laughs> like it Damn it. <laughs> this is so hard. I always feel like analyzing this movie is much more difficult than just sitting back and enjoying Being it. like, I And it. Yeah. <laughs> and be like, no, it's just whimsical. And like the guy who did Children of Men lit the snow scene. And it doesn't make you want to cry. It's so pretty.
4: Um, but when you think about it in context, you're like, dang, issues. I don't, I mean, and a lot of those problems seem to be, it's like, a lot of it I want to blame a lot of it on Frances Hodgson Burnett because that's like so built into the story and yeah. she has such a bad track record with like writing non-white characters a- at all mm-hmm. but with, with adaptations it's like there was room in this movie for there for us to know more about Becky well, there is, just was
2: this yes. is Alfonso Creon's first studio film in America so you mm-hmm. have two Mexican auteurs essentially in Lubitsky and uh, Crayon coming up to do their first big and precious also Emmanuel's first big studio film Mm -hmm. so I know that they they were kind of felt free in in the visual representation because that's why they got hired but outside of that I'm not sure like how much agency they felt they had to imbue dark skin characters with Storylines and right. to be fair, that never seems to be Alfonso's sort of bag either. I don't think he really cares
5: about <laughs> uh I mean, I'm, he's out there directing Harry Potter movies, yeah. So. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and he just did uh
2: Roma, Roma. Yeah. which is great, but also has a lot of colorism issues. If you want to talk to indigenous Latinx women mm-hmm. about that, so yeah, it, it definitely, I think, if it were made today, we would demand much more out of it as a film,
4: yeah. Uh did you know that this movie sp- failed spectacularly at the box office? I didn't. Yeah, it had a 17 million dollar budget, only made 10 million dollars back. Huh. What were we it's doing in 1996? I know, it's like it's I, I I feel like for the like year it came out, this is you're not going to get much better. To be fair though, Strange.
2: I, my parents were big movie buffs. We were at the movie theater a lot. I did not see this until home VHS. Same. So yeah. we might have been part of the problem. <laughs> I'm sure my dad was like, first, I'm not sitting through any princesses movies. And no, <laughs> go yourselves. And then I have no idea what my mom was doing. Cause this was totally up her alley. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Was it a it's Christmas weird. release?
4: Uh, Do you remember the release date? I should have looked it up. It was released in May. It was released. What?
2: That's the problem. Okay. If we go back, we talk to the ad, people will be like, this is a Christmas season film. Okay. (laughs) Get the hearts warm. We like Dickens era stuff. It vaguely looks like Christmas.
4: In this
5: weird, indescribable way.
4: Because it's <laughs>
5: half, it's green, which is half yes. of Christmas color. Oh, can we talk um,
4: about Alfonso in green? Yeah. Yes. He's really weird for green. He loves green. Um, I was, okay, so when we were watching this with mm. Paula V, we were all like, the green and the gold. There's got to be some symbolism here. I read some like hokey blog posts that... <laughs> Posited some theories, none of them quite lined up. And I was like, okay, well, maybe he talked about it. Like maybe there is a I was like, is this in the book? Is it yeah, is it him? Like, I don't know what. And the <laughs> the answer is is puzzling, which and it is simply that Alfonso loves green. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. Like there are quotes from him. There there is like a, a great interview done with the costume designer of this movie, uh, Juliana. Makovsky, right when this movie came out, and apparently they had like a big argument about how he was like, "I only want green. Nothing cannot be green." She's like, "I can't do that." <laughs> She's like, "I will quit if you make me make everything." Green. She did do that green-on-green
2: schoolgirl <laughs> uniform. <I> mean, so, <laughs> the clothes
5: are green. The building that the school is in it's is green. Beautiful green. The shots of like anything happening in a- the kitchen. There's so much lettuce and yeah. green apples in the frame. Like. Where are I- we we getting all
2: this money to buy all of this fresh produce that kitchen (laughs) kitchen's very suspect to me i was like no no you didn't buy that at the new york market we saw her just shopping at no yeah (laughs) Yeah.
4: so so and then the quote like a year later i guess he was asked about this directly in a new york times interview and he says quote i have to say green is the only color i understand i can really frame it I know how to work with it. I see other colors, and they feel alien. I cannot give you an irrational explanation. God, I love <laughs> and that. And that's the answer to the green. It's such a, it's just my art. Will you please just watch it or don't? Yeah. Like, it's so like, I just
2: don't care. I'm obsessed with the color green. <laughs> Me too, yeah, especially favorite. in this era when you've got that like weird emerald marble green a lot so it's like mm. gold and white flecked but then you're also dealing with a lot of natural greens and I think coming from the India set scenes to here this looks like such a polished like studio film it's like mm. like a 30 style like studio like when they're doing the kind of it's not CGI yet. Special effects, visual effects is what we would have oh, called it back freak, in the day. Right. It's That
4: freaky yeah, <laughs> yes. that freaky sequence. Which
2: if you oh my gosh, there's an Alec Baldwin film where a similar demon creature like that comes up and I'm like, did they borrow things from each other? <laughs> um I love it. I love all of the green in this I movie. I enjoyed it. And it I, looks like a living, like, urban jungle.
4: And I feel like now that urban jungle's really in as a style
2: <laughs> choice, it's, it's like we're, like, looping back.
4: <laughs> I really I mean, it's always, because we, we get so, like, I mean, the point of the show is to be in the weeds and, like, really analyze everything. And then sometimes you, you're just like, nope, there's no reason. And, and that is so comforting. <laughs> you're like, great, everything is chaos. Yeah, Alfonso likes green. That's why I don't look for meaning in anything. Yeah, that's why we're ending the show today.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Something I wanted to talk about is that a big deal is made in this movie about the idea that all girls and all women are princesses. Yes. This, I think, can be seen as an empowering message for the young girls who are seeing this movie who this movie is targeted to. Mm -hmm. Because it's basically saying all girls have value. But I also think that the connotation behind the word princess invokes, like, a certain image and certain idea.
4: Blonde with giant blue eyes and <laughs> yeah. perfect manners. Yes. Yeah. Right. What? And, Which... like, Sarah, down to it, I mean, like all like all canonical princesses, does not have a mother. Yes. Like, down exactly. to the princess tropes. <laughs> and,
5: yeah, so this, like idea of like the the princess type has historically not been empowering and largely because what media has like put forth about what a princess is right basically every disney movie pre 2009 or even today Still is a pro- yeah. because like princesses always end up with a prince or a man in general right they rarely have a storyline that's anything besides a romantic relationship they are largely cis het white able-bodied girls mm-hmm. or women they are rich and from the highest socioeconomic class uh, they rarely have a mom or really any female relationships to speak of
4: so it's a lot of I mean in this movie sort of plays to that plays with, like, to a lot daddy. of these yeah plays right against type
2: a lot too if we mm-hmm. think about just the last one you said mm-hmm. uh doesn't have a lot of female friends she's Only got lady friends. Right.
5: Um, She doesn't have a mom, but yes,
2: has a lot of girlfriends. And then, if we look at the fact that who else she sort of inspires or shows to be princess, not just Becky, who she takes with her at the end, and they again looking like sisters, Uh, like they belong together, same costuming and all of that. You also get the same thing with Amelia who is yeah. like the plump lady who would definitely have been considered past her time this. Mm. The Milkman is kind of hot. They <laughs> actually is. have chemistry, which I get really upset when uh, plus-size women, as a plus-size woman, when women get cast against guys who are clearly not into them. I'm like, listen, casting, we got to do better. Like, find better actors. You don't really have to be in love. Lots of actors are not. But I need to see, like, the chemistry. Otherwise, I'm not believing it. Yeah. Um, They clearly were into that whole, like, two-second milk exchange. I think that's what guys <laughs> Hot. Like, like, hot. Yeah, it's, oh my gosh, yeah. it's so steep. And she's like, I'm just going to wait. He's definitely coming back. And then she just like holds on to the thing and is like, don't go. Like, we are connected. Yeah. You know this. All kinds of like glorious sexual. T- and from the get go, like, Sarah sees all of them as equal. So I think it again plays into our earlier issue of naivete. Mm-hmm. You know, how much do we believe that a girl of her status, who looks like she does, who has all the advantages in the world, truly believes that everyone is treated equally in in the film she does and again because she does it just justifies that villainy more like if we keep following back into that idea of okay probably not but maybe she's the exception you can kind of I can bridge the gap I can bridge the divide
4: yeah I I feel the same I mean I I I totally agree with all I mean the concept of a princess in culture is like flawed and Mm -hmm. like right up until today I think that I just felt like the way that she uses the word princess like her meaning of it is a little bit different like I didn't think that she was saying like oh everyone is like Rapunzel I felt like she the way that Sarah was using it and I don't even know if this is the way that Davos meant it to when she (laughs) said it to her but the way that she interprets it I thought was like saying, like, a princess as, like, worthy and, like, worthy yeah, of, like, respect. And yeah.
2: yeah. Well, and the film even follows that logic, too. And, like, I really love the idea that, again, as wrong as the stories were, the, the way they were used as devices to... A, inflict and impact her life were really interesting. Like when she's first sent to the attic, she creates a circle of safety, like the one from the story to protect Mm -hmm. herself. She gives she takes the same advice she gave not Lillian, the other the little girl who cries all the time. Lottie. 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 She gives her the same advice, you know, just because I don't know, just because they can't hear them doesn't mean they can't hear me. And so she starts calling out to her father. But then we get that really great emotional exchange where she's in the street and it's like some boy, out of the kindness of his his naive heart gives her a coin yeah. and the mother is like nope that's awful look she's just following us she's trying to give the coin back, back. she's like I don't want it I don't need it I'm okay and mm. now she has the money so she buys herself like a, what I believe is a cross hot bun or some yeah. kind of like sticky cinnamon it's a cinnabon it <laughs> d- 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 is a hot delicious treat and she is cold and she has been working all day she had to yeah. fight a boy to mm-hmm. keep the stuff in her basket and right as she's about to eat it she sees another girl who are clearly having much worse lives than yes. her like they're trying to sell flower somewhere girls. where they got these yellow roses in the Middle of winter, I have questions, <laughs> but they no have idea. them, and they're selling them. And so she gives it to that girl. That girl's mother is like, make sure this girl gets a flower. Don't let her go without it. The- yeah. She in turn gives the flower to the old guy who just found out he lost his son. And uh, and when she gets the flower, she calls her a princess. She says, "For the princess." Mm-hmm. And so I think this idea of being a princess not being about having money. She was a princess even when she hit her lowest point, even when she didn't have anything right. like. Mm-hmm it was still her ability to just be kind and giving. And again, it's just, oh man, it's really hard (laughs) in the world, being an adult and living in this world to be like, yeah, none of this happens. But if you want to enter a land of like make-believe and and believe in like the quality and good in children who have not yet been corrupted, oh wow, it's impactful. (laughs) Yeah,
4: and I mean, the way that Sarah uses, uh, like something I was like thinking about through the movie is I feel like, you know, like we talk a lot about, privilege and i feel like it's generally used as a a negative term Mm -hmm. um but i think sarah is in some ways there are there are ways where you're like oh this is getting a little white savior this is getting a little like it's a very delicate balance of Mm -hmm. like how to write one of these characters well but for the most part i thought that the way that sarah used her privilege and that she clearly has was setting a relatively good example of just like she does use her privilege while she still has money and fancy stuff she uses it to help people yeah. and then and then when she doesn't have much she you know she still, still... has a fair amount of privilege and, and still tries to help people so yeah. It made me wish I had seen this movie when I when I was younger because it's you know it's like if you do have a protagonist that has a lot of privilege, then like you know go to great lengths to show how you can use, use that to your serve privilege others. for good. Yes. Yeah.
5: Yeah. I agree. There to me there are two kind of main takeaways from this movie that are potentially conflicting, but <laughs> one is that. Like, Sarah is a princess because she is kind and because she is generous and nice to everyone, mm-hmm. and she isn't afraid to challenge the oppressive systems that are in place. The other takeaway is that everything will be fine as long as the loved ones you thought
4: were dead are actually
5: still alive
4: <laughs> right. and you are still very rich <laughs> right i mean her like return to richness and like that, that vague thing that like davos at the end is like yeah i told them i wasn't dead got all my shit back So yeah. you you're, later. Go like,
2: you're like oh okay <laughs> i do wonder how this film would have turned out if Either her dad never got his memory back or he just wasn't there and had died in the war. Yeah. You think about it, she has no – motive. it's not like she's motivated to go find her father. Like she is just going to escape. And before she escapes, she turns to Becky and she's like, I'm coming back for you. Mm-hmm. And there's a small part of me that really wants to believe this girl is tough as hell. Yeah. And would have figured a way out in New York and probably not kept all of that like glorious sweetness about her, but maybe would have found a way to, to survive she and to create survived. a space for – for her and her friend, it would have been hard. I was, listen, someone write the alternate universe fantasy fiction and send it to me. Where these girls got to just survive on their own. And they're like amazing and tough and scrappy. They start a small business there. Yes.
4: <laughs> I liked uh, one of my favorite parts of this movie was uh, during the escape part the deus ex plank that appears (laughs) a perfectly measured plank to get from one window to the other. And I like went back to, cause we watched it last night with Paula V. And then when I watched it again this morning, I'm like, maybe that, maybe the plank is set up. Maybe it's been there the whole time. But she, that like Sarah just turns to Becky and is like, help me get this board. I was like, what, what board Lord. is it? Sarah. From the
2: floor. I thought it was going to be the green like thing that moves in between their walls. It's oh, like they have cool. like a loose kind right. of plank. I oh, thought yeah. she was going to be like just snap that off and let me climb across <laughs> it's it. So it's weird. The thing that connects us, launching us into a new life. I don't know, something. Uh, but it was not. You're right. It just oh, came out of nowhere. It was. Maybe, I love Deus hang X, on,
4: Plank. Hang on. Maybe <laughs> the plank of the, the machine.
5: The <laughs> magical Indian man who lives next door <laughs> foresaw yes. this would all happen and gave her the plank whenever he was like decorating the room and like setting up this huge banquet for them
4: oh so <laughs> that's he my was, theory he was like i actually uh, he, he's like he set everything up really quietly and like went well, back and he forth knows. The plank. he sees sarah
5: he saw her on the Titanic-like titanic like boat that they come the to america from india on he saw them like Daughter and, and father dancing together. He knows their relationship. He knows mm-hmm. that daddy is sitting 10 feet away. He daddy also Davos. saw daddy Davos give Sarah. A heart-shaped necklace, not mm-hmm. on, like, what happens in Titanic. But, uh, so, yeah, he know, he's, like, this omniscient guy who We could have really solved a lot of these
2: issues if we had just seen him watch dude come into the building with his daughter. Because, like, <laughs> if, if he is aware of, like, oh... I, this guy looks like the same dude that dropped the daughter off at the school. Right. Well, you should take him in, sir, because you have the means to do so. If you can rewatch this movie thinking about this guy as just playing the shit out of everyone around him, <laughs> it is wildly more entertaining.
4: Yeah. I just feel like... It is, yeah. It's, it's just, I don't know. With the plank and the ending, it like it gets so fantasy mm-hmm. at the end mm-hmm. that I'm like, I, I mean... I'm I'm happy to accept, like, and everything worked out, like the happily ever after. Sure, Davos is alive. Sure, you know, like, why why not? I something I did like though that we ha- we haven't talked about yet is like the way that grief is portrayed in this movie. Mm-hmm. I thought was really cool and not something you get to see in kids movies at all, or especially like played in like, I thought, like, a pretty thoughtful way. Yeah. Because, Joel, you were saying earlier, like, it's, like, clear that all these kids are missing their parents. And then in the case of Lottie and then later Sarah are actually – their parents aren't coming back for them. And, like, seeing that play out in different ways with Lottie, it's just the screaming fits in front of the music box. Or, Mm -hmm. like, Sarah gets, like, I mean, it's, like, really devastating to watch how depressed she gets. yeah. She's like, there is no magic. Right. Yeah, she's very clearly going through the,
5: the depression phase of grief.
4: Yeah, and, like, just the way that she, like, sort of, it just sort of saps all the, like, positive energy out of her and then it's sort of then the the young girls that she knows that like lift her back up and and so i just i I really thought that it was like a cool thoughtful presentation of grief and again it's like all that is sort of undone at the end where you're like "Mm, you didn't have to grieve daddy was across the street (laughs) but but the way it was presented what i thought was like was lovely Mm -hmm. and and also i just found out on wikipedia.org ever heard of it Mm -hmm. that the chimney sweep is Alfonso Cuaron's Son. son. Oh my yes. god.
2: Oh. Yeah. He's I'm a natural.
4: A g- <laughs> yeah. Adorable. He was so good. Yeah.
2: He was so good. And when you talk about the girl, uh Lisel Matthews is the girl that plays oh, Sarah. Oh my god. Listen, yeah. she comes from like a billionaire family. Whoa. From yeah. Chicago, which huh. explains the American accent. Mm-hmm. She's like She's a Pritzker. great. Yes. Great actress. Went on to do Air Force One. Yes. Played uh Oh my gosh.
5: Harrison Ford's yeah, I'm daughter. But I'm like, that's not right.
2: Uh, play his daughter. She did one more movie after that, not as successful. But now she like he- runs like a-, a hedge fund company that like gives yeah. money to sub-Saharan Africa. She oh. is a.
4: Cajillionaire, huh. and like we're i mean her family owns hyatt hotels oh. uh, and we know about families that own hotel chains it always ends well <laughs> uh they own the royal caribbean cruise line they own the transunion credit bureau she's from like a lot of Whoa. fucking money
5: so she, basically she was like I want to be an actor. Exactly. And then everyone was like, okay, you're an actor now. But
2: she's a really she's great yeah. actor. Like, I yeah. thought she was a really good child actress. Yeah. I don't know if it just didn't transition as an adult or if she was like, oh, I have money. I don't have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> just go do something else. She married a hot guy who kind of looks like Jamie Lannister. Oh, like, nice. like an
4: average Jamie Lannister, you know? They live in Boston. It's like, oh. it's, a, it's, Rich people. Like, I I do. It's funny. I'm really glad that she is, like, she, like, or at least was, like, a very talented child actress because I'm, like, the second I like started reading about her, I was like, oh, she was like, dad, wouldn't it be cool if I was a movie star? And he was like, yeah, sure. You do what you Bye. want, kid. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Businesses to run. Multiple. Also, Camilla Bell is in this movie. Wait, which one was Camilla Bell? Jane? I don't know. One of the girls at this I school. hope it was the girl.
2: Wait a minute. Was she the girl who told uh, Lavinia, like, I don't care what you're doing. I'm going to listen to these
4: stories. Oh, I hope so. I don't know. I I was like, I don't really remember any. There's two, Jane, Betsy, and Ruth are characters Mm. that I, I'm assuming that they were all girls at the school, but I have no idea. They were hanging out in the background.
2: I like that, A, it was a small group of girls and they were not running through child actors. They're like, no, this is the group. They're here. (laughs) Deal with it. Um. And I also, like, the staging for this, I would be so curious to talk about, like, what is it like to direct that many kids? Because I talked yeah. to a bunch oh. of the stars from Shazam, and they're like, so there were six kids, and they were a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like,
4: kind, cool kids, but wow, that's there a lot of energy. There must have been
5: so many, like, child wranglers on oh, set. Oh, totally. <laughs> I mean,
4: you have to think that, like, Alfonso Caron has to just work well with children because it's like they, I mean this movie especially there's basically only children and he manages to get like some really impressive performances really out impressive. of kids which is like a testament just as much to him as it is to them and then you know he like he tamed Rupert Grint or whatever <laughs> later like he knows how to work with child actors <laughs>
5: I
2: mean, Rupert Grant
4: notoriously, I love Rupert Grant. I've crush crushing him forever. Is he a good actor? I mean, I don't know. Uh,
2: I like his new comedies, his little BBC do, TV yeah. show things. They're adorable and definitely like his, lane. his is lean. His second act where is you fun. Shine.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, also like Dan oh my god, what's his name? Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe Short uh, was was a, a bad actor in the first two Harry Potter movies and then gets pretty good. In Prisoner of Azkaban. I'm sure yeah. so. So that Emma
2: was like, listen, we can get this together. I'm convinced. <laughs> she was like, let's just try some exercises.
4: They all, I feel like photos. they all level up in the third one, kind yeah. of. Yeah. yeah. Like and by the fourth one, we're
2: really just flying, which for me was perfect. The fourth <laughs> book is my favorite. And I and was then, like, here yeah. we go. And then you our, know, cut
0: our, our Pat's
4: comes in. My heart is really softening towards Harry Potter as, <laughs> I, <laughs> as I age. Oh, I'm
0: so
5: glad
4: to yeah. hear that. Now that I'm 500 years old. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we go back to Amelia
5: really quick? And yes. I would like to pose a question. How do you yes. feel the representation of bigger women is in this movie? <gasps> yes.
2: Like all of the representation, we got so close. They did mm-hmm. not. Let a fat joke slip until her yeah. final moment. I and I know. was yeah. livid. I was like, guys, we did. So good. She was just a lady. She fell in love. None of the kids were, like, judgy or making jokes or faces behind her. Like, it was a polished perfect. And then they're like, throw the suitcases at the guy and land on <laughs> oh, top of him because God. that's what
4: sells. So yeah. I was like, damn that it. That was really <laughs> <So annoying. laughs> there, uh, it was. I mean, I feel like she, her character in general, and I, and I couldn't really tell how much it was, like, whether it was a comment on what she looked like at all. But, like, she was the slapstickiest of the people at the school because yeah. there's like anytime someone would make a loud noise it would be like whoa <laughs> yeah.
2: like she would
4: she she had big physical reactions to things she was at responsible all times. for the crying girl which yeah.
2: was so yes. great.
4: convinced she's conspired with satan to curse me um <laughs> but i liked i mean i liked the scene with uh sarah and amelia mm. on the staircase i thought that was Another, like, lovely little Sarah moment of, like, (laughs) near worthy of love. And she was like, oh. And then Amelia's like, I hate children. Get me out of here. So that's
2: where I think that they, the the film does, like, it's, like, good in two ways and then bad in three. Like, Mm -hmm. I think they do a really good job of subverting Expectations. Fat women are supposed to, like, love kids. They're like, mm. you're the natural caregivers. You have the tits. Like, make it work. <laughs> um, and so for her to, like, for the whole time just be like, I'm really not – I don't know how to – don't want to. Would rather not be here. I thought was interesting for a character like her. I think that, yeah, putting her in a slapstick position certainly – I don't know. I feel weird about it because if it was two men running an all-boys school, we most likely would have had the exact same dynamic. Mm -hmm. You know, like a tall, thin person and like a shorter, fatter person has been like comedy, like how we make it work in partnerships for so long visually. Right. Um, I'll say this. Again, we're desperate for representation. Mm-hmm. We're grasping to what we have. This movie goes above and beyond what most representations at the time were, and I think if you look at it in a time period capsule, that way you can be like, okay, I can value what we were aiming for, even if if it came out today, we would not anywhere near reach our standards of sure. excellence. Yeah. Yeah,
4: And at least, I mean, you do know more about Amelia than you know about Miss Minchin. Like, she has more of, like, we know more about her personal life and, like, her feelings and thoughts and context for them True. than for her sister, but who's kind like, of arguably the, one, the bigger character. But kind of the
5: main thing, or one of the main things that you know about Amelia is her, like, fawning over a man.
4: That's true. So, I
5: don't know. I
4: I mean, but we also know she hates her job. Like, I don't know. We see her... (laughs) As a person who, like, okay, so
2: since we've been Game of thrones just batting it in all (laughs) over the place, my girl Brianna Tarth gets laid. Like, not anywhere on her to-do list, right? But she finds herself falling for a guy. Then next day, dude's like, so I'm actually still in love with my sister. I got to go back home and deal with that. (laughs) And she cries. And it's like the whole internet, like, it's having, like, a very divided meltdown of whether, like, these tears are okay. I think when you put women who present differently in situations of love and allow them to be soft that it's a blessing because Mm -hmm. I know certainly I didn't see a lot of that growing up like if you were tough Mm -hmm. you were just tough all the way through and no man could ever get to you and you did not need love that's not like a realistic like situation for many people some Mm -hmm. people do desire love and I don't think that it should always fall back to that and I do think for both Brienne and for Amelia that there were opportunities for better representation Mm -hmm. that being said like Amelia got her dude like she like got to fall in love and it was something that that character clearly wouldn't allow herself to think about before and so to see her be in love to see her come to terms with that and then to see her go for it like yeah. that's a cool story arc that freak and and for the most part not be made fun of for it right. uh Until the last i think it's really beautiful <laughs> we yeah. really had to squeeze it in didn't oh, you yeah. couldn't help yourselves <laughs> yeah
5: that's a great point yeah i um also and let me know what your thoughts are on this but um the way that Ermergard um, oh yeah. <laughs> um, um, is characterized as, I mean, most of the girls at this school are very slim. Ermergard mm-hmm. um, 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 is a little bigger. Mm-hmm. She uh, seems to be characterized, at least in the beginning, as like kind of a more pathetic. You know, I was worried about
4: that trope like yeah. seeping in of like token chubby girl who all the other girls are going to make fun of, but then the movie I don't know I mean it it's like the movie elects to flesh her out more yeah. than almost any
2: other I don't know that's true I mean yeah. she she is only picked on by one girl the girl who picks on literally everybody right. so yeah. there's that point I think she is shy but then they make it not about her body but about her worry that she's not going to please her father mm-hmm. and that. Man, that conversation also brings me when she, she talks to Sarah about her dad and she was like, you know, he doesn't like being here. She's like, well, why would she, he send you to some place he doesn't like to be? And she's like, well, he wants me to fit in and mm-hmm. he doesn't feel he can fit in. And to use such kid words for such big grown up ideas yeah. of like, yeah. I want better for you, but also I hate this place. And if I become this, do we not have a relationship anymore? Right. And she doesn't have any of the words to describe all of the things she's feeling, but she's trying and it. Is so beautiful. And so I think, again, the way the film lets in these little contexts and the fact that it doesn't give you the answers to everything, it it allows for better headcanon representation than maybe (laughs) what the film's
4: intentions were. But I'm gonna keep clinging to it. I that's what him. I had. I, 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 I stan Ermingerg. I like <laughs> oh I, I I wish she could have I wish she could have gone with Sarah and Becky too.
2: They were, <laughs> she had a dad, but I also yeah. caught myself thinking about the exact same like, thing. Oh, like take
5: Ermingard with you. She also needs liberation. Yeah. And then so, her dad is proud of her that she can speak
4: French. So yes, that's really that nice. Was, that was nice to see. I yeah. And then in in general, I mean all the, uh, what is this man's role in uh, colonialism aside, I liked the relationship between Sarah and her dad. I thought it was, like, very, it was nice to see, you know, just, like, a positive relationship between a father. And I feel like so often, even in movies about princesses, mm-hmm. the father and the daughter are at odds about right. at the expectations of her. Or, like, it, it was nice to just have like the presentation of i mean he like says it in the first scene when the only scene where they're actually in india where he's just like i think you can be anything you want to be or like it's just a very like if you wrote out like stock nice daddy davos character (laughs) it would be this and i I thought that was like lovely and and he gives her a lot of agency to to
2: speak on her own behalf too like in the when they're in the classroom and the teacher's like yeah you can't wear jewelry and she like looks at her dad and he's like I, what do you yeah. want to do kid <laughs> And she's like yeah I, I do insist on keeping it and before then he just he always allows her this sort of space to just be herself so that again it's sort of believable that she feels sort of like a little adult because she yeah. you know she's the one constantly comforting him <laughs> <laughs> and like, what are you doing memorizing my, me by heart she's like I already know you by heart daddy I'm and gonna be okay like, you gotta go to war <laughs> or I was it's like a, is she
4: his wife and, anyway. it
2: does get a little uh, promise ringy at points where <laughs> yeah. I'm like yikes <laughs> maybe dad needs to find a wife <laughs> yeah, dad, like she's taking on many more to roles Bumble, like, not... no. but overall charming and sweet I don't know if you guys are daddy's girls I They're... most no. certainly am uh, me and my <laughs> Dep- pops are very tight um, <laughs> but he would never allow me to be a princess he was mm. like i don't know what any of that garbage is but take it out of here <laughs> it's like, get to school <laughs> on time yeah mow the lawn <laughs> like
5: do some dishes and maybe we'll like watch a movie after
4: um, <laughs> work <laughs> at the hockey rink jamie yes. <laughs> uh, but it
5: is nice to see yeah like a, a single dad like yeah. being able to like connect with his daughter in a in a way that we usually don't see in movies because usually i'm thinking of like um a league of their own where like Mm -hmm. the one dad like the single dad raised his daughter like a boy basically because he's like I don't know how to do girl stuff (laughs) so she boyed now
4: Yeah, (laughs) I am dad me don't know what to dad do Um. there's
5: but yeah, so it's like, he's like embracing the femininity that she wants to display at that time in her right. life. And he's like, yeah, you are a princess. Agency. And yeah, but you can be whatever you want to be. And I, yeah, I that thought was nice. It was
4: really, it, it it warmed my frigid heart. I thought it was so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone have any other thoughts about the
5: movie? Hmm. I will say that uh, in the alleyway, when um, we're seeing the chimney sweep, there is a cat.
4: There's- that cat Ooh. has eight nipples. Can we also love Daddy Davos <laughs> to death? But how amazing would Freddie Molina have been in the dad role? He would have been. I mean, he's British, um, so he's very kind. You, mm-hmm. I've like. uh, Maybe I just want to hear him say, you're a little princess. (laughs) Maybe I just want that audio clip out there in the world. I don't know. He would have been incredible in that role like genuinely i hope he was approached and was like sorry i'm preparing for spider-man 2 10 years from now <laughs> like, he was like i need a long time to figure out this role i mean i have to play doc ock and tv in the been same doing year 95 is that when like species came out there, let's on. check okay this is actually a critical part of the show <laughs> what was he in what was he doing maybe he was doing theater okay he was in something called nervous energy he was in something called hideaway he was in something called scorpion spring he was in something Whoa. called dead man he was in something called the perez family what a busy man he was in something called the steel he was in species that year yes oh, knew good it for you yeah too. So uh, (laughs) you know he apparently he had tons of shit going on. Very busy 1995. My goodness, damn, paying the bills in '95, Melina.
2: (laughs) So many Um. questions about where this Melina obsession came from.
4: Oh God, he's just so handsome. I will not deny that. And then and then we later found out also woke (laughs) a feminist icon. (laughs) Yes. I mean, did you see that scary kaleidoscope vagina he posted? (laughs)
0: Loved it, hated it? I don't
4: know. It was the ultimate uh, older gentleman ally move, where you're like, "This is actually a bit much," but I appreciate where you're coming from. <laughs> it feels like my Lawrence Fishburne obsession,
2: and I really yeah. av- oh. like value and appreciate your love of Molina. <laughs>
4: oh, I hope Molina and Fishburne are friends. I feel like they're right? like they're such character actors. Yes. I'm. I just assume all character actors are friends. <laughs> I don't Why know. wouldn't they be? You guys right? have the
2: same talent. Bond over it. exactly okay. Make Unique.
4: our dreams come true. God damn wow. it. Fishburn and Molina twenty twenty.
2: <laughs> it's better than most of the candidates we have.
4: <laughs> we have to overlook that Alfred Molina is fully British. That's true. Whoops. Hey, speaking of uh, talking about men or not, does this movie pass the Bechdel test? It for sure does. Oh, yeah. yeah. All over the damn place, it does.
5: Yes. Many combos, many different conversations. Hard yes on that. Yeah. Let's rate it on our nipple scale. Okay. Zero to five nipples based on its representation and portrayal of women. I think I'm going to go like three. Three and a half. That seems accurate. I feel like we Mm -hmm. have fully synced when it comes to nipples at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's a lot of good things that this movie is doing. You know, it's a very female driven story. It shows a young girl like using the privilege that she has to empower other people, specifically Becky. And that does get into, you know, white savior territory. And, you know, there are some like mean girl characters who seem to be mean for no reason or like their characterization is kind of glossed over. But you have enough other different personality types in the other girls that it's not as all like, oh, all girls are pitted against each other or anything like that. So you have like what are several very healthy relationships between girls. So that is very nice to see. Mm -hmm. There are. Some weird things about how Indian culture and people
4: are depicted. Thank right. and and triple a million thanks to Paula V for, yeah, uh, for giving us some context for that. She'll be back for a Dark Night episode. Watch out, everybody. Yeah, yes. Thank you so much to
5: her for her insight. And then yeah, other little things here and there where you know there's like that fat joke that they didn't need to do and then they did it you know different things like that but yeah i would say a solid three and a half i'll give one nipple to ermengard i'll give one nipple to amelia minchin i'll give my remaining one and a half nipples to becky
4: Yeah, Yeah. love it. I'm going to go three and a half as well uh, for basically all the reasons. I mean, there's a lot of examples that I think we've talked about at this point of (laughs) things getting close and then either petering out at the end or like with Amelia, like you're like, oh, we've got we've got a story arc for Mm -hmm. a fat character. And it's like but then it's sold out at the last minute or like there's a lot of little examples of that. Like there's no excuse adaptation wise that we shouldn't know more about Becky and that she shouldn't be like grounded in her own story Mm -hmm. it would only help literally everything um everything that Francis Hodgson Burnett put pen to paper on in regards to India is cuckoo and (laughs) uh there's a lot of bad tropes at play there that again like adaptation wise and this movie should be uh, mentioned was uh, there there are two uh writers one of them is a woman which is you know good and, and never happens uh so that's positive but there are there were a lot of issues with the source material that could have been improved upon in the adaptation that just didn't happen which is disappointing because it is a beautiful movie with a lot of great messages and anytime there's like a group of girls who are like supporting each other and it's not antagonistic and even when it is it's resolved and like it just felt it felt very wholesome and and lovely and I liked it. I like that. I, and I like that there's no reason for the green. It honestly just like, I had such an exhale and I was like, oh, he just love green. I, I mean, as much as I love picking things to death, what a relief that there was no reason for the green.
2: What <laughs> would have explained it? Nothing.
4: <sighs> I don't know. It would have been terrible. Any explanation other than I just wanted it that way, you I would like have
2: been like, it. I don't need any of this. be <laughs> like David and DB explaining things after Game of Thrones. Like, that's not why
4: any of the things happen. And if it is, I'm so disappointed like, in it's you It's <laughs> just there. It's just what it is. And so, to all you Weebly bloggers out there, 15 years ago, you were wrong. Wow. It's about fucking nothing. Burn. Uh, so I love. I mean, yeah, three and a half nips. Uh, I'll give two to Becky, one to Amelia, and then I'll give the the last half to Alfonso's son. A little sweep. Oh yeah, <laughs> a little sweep.
2: Cute. I I will also go three and a half because it just feels right. It just it's appropriate. Uh, I'm just gonna give all of mine to Becky. Literally all the love and joy. I have never seen a person of color in a historical drama before this. Remember that I was young. And then mm. when I did, it was so often slavery. Amasad came out not long after this, saw that mm. in theaters. Horrifying, mm-hmm. <laughs> really triggering experience. Don't take your eight year old to see it. <laughs> um, and she just so, so full of love and trying and just a desire to make a connection and girl I could identify many many a year later in 1997 when I started my first grade year it was horrible um, the Becky and depictions of Becky were great and I also want to thank you guys because uh, I always get on my dad about watching old movies where I'll be like doesn't this bother you look at these racist depictions he's like these are the movies of my childhood how dare you try to rip them away and I'm like oh, old man so stupid and here I am defending this movie like it's my life right <laughs> Just, no it's fine everything's cool Like gloss over it to get to the good stuff um, and so you know now we're closer <laughs> now I understand his perspective so yay <laughs> oh
5: well thank you so much for joining yeah, this us was so jo- much fun Joelle jo- and um, can where can people you find you
2: <laughs> yes go to Twitter I live there <laughs> At least 16 hours a day you'll be able to contact me on the Twitters at Joelle Monique or um, if you're so inclined you could go to IG I'm trying to Instagram story more I don't it's not intuitive for me But that's Joelle underscore Monique. Also, visit me over at Paste and Pajibo where I do the weekly content, uh, the movies and the TVs and all the
5: fun stuff. Awesome. Amazing. Uh, You can follow the Bechtel cast on social media at Mm Bechtelcast. You can subscribe to our patreon aka matreon gets you two bonus episodes every month including the entire backlog of all of the episodes we've recorded already yeah it's over
4: 40 episodes at this point so if you like bonuses and you like uh mp3 files of me me and caitlin hanging out at our house Mm. that's the place to go yes it is
5: uh, and you can find that at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. You can buy our merch, Feminist Icon Alfred Molina merch, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, all of our, our goodies are at tpublic.com slash the Bechtelcast. Hey,
4: we're all princesses. Yes. yes. Interpret as you will. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye.
0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X